electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greek Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, a mysterious plague is sweeping the country. I got this strange headache, like a headache I've never had before. Hundreds of people are falling victim to a devastating illness. It felt like my head was going to explode. I was begging for death. I wanted to die. The pain was relentless. And 100 people will die. He was gone. Just gone. Man, who 18 days ago had been loving life to nothing. The one thing all the victims share is that they got medicine from this man, Barry Catton. He pockets $3 million in under a year manufacturing drugs in a clean room that is far from clean. They had bacteria growing in the room. They had mold growing in the room. And what do his victims believe stops Cadden from cleaning up his act? Greed. He was making so much money. At the University of Rhode Island... Barry Catton, as his yearbook photo shows, graduates in 1990. He goes on to the school's College of Pharmacy. On becoming a pharmacist, he takes an oath, promising to make the welfare of humanity and relief of suffering his primary concern. Pharmacists play a really important role in our society. They are truly the gatekeepers between our nation's drug supply and patients. And with that promise to put patients first, in 1998, Cadden starts a compounding pharmacy called New England Compounding Center, NECC. A compounding pharmacy doesn't just sell drugs, it makes them for patients who need customized medicine. So, for example, if you had a child who was allergic to a particular ingredient in a drug, a compounding pharmacy could make that drug without that ingredient in it. With NECC, Cadden decides to go big and sell his drugs across the country to hospitals and clinics. As part of that effort, he has his sales meetings videotaped so his team can listen to his instructions on the road. This video of one meeting shows how Cadden describes what makes NECC different from other compounders. The people, the clean rooms, the testing procedures, uh, our cleaning procedures, it's all that boring stuff. That's what adds up, and that's what produces a quality product. It was quality, quality, quality. That was the sales pitch. But Barry Cadden has one problem to get around. Regulation. If NECC sells drugs in bulk, like a manufacturer, the Food and Drug Administration will oversee his operation. But if he calls NECC a pharmacy that is filling specific prescriptions, he will fall under the jurisdiction of the Massachusetts State Board of Pharmacy. 
And that is exactly what Barry Cadden wants. They had three inspectors for 1,100 pharmacies in the state of Massachusetts. That's it. They had no experience with clean rooms. They had very little experience with compounding. And those are the folks that Barry Cadden wanted to regulate him because there was no regulation at all. This videotape of a sales meeting reveals how Cadden views the state board. They don't even know what they're looking at. They have no clue. They go around, they're like, oh, Barry's place looks great. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go, I a cup of coffee, and they go out the door, really, that's what it is like. But still, to keep NECC looking like a pharmacy, not a manufacturer, he needs prescriptions. And so his salespeople ask customers, clinics and hospitals, to supply patient names with their orders. Barry had an in-house group of temps and other typists who took the orders and they typed up prescriptions. The customers know the names don't matter, and so any names will do. They used doctor's names, staff names, and a lot of times they used made-up names. They used celebrity names. A look in NECC's files shows fake prescriptions created using names like Donald Trump, Calvin Klein, L.L. Bean, Phileo Fish, Big Baby Jesus. The need for patient names is a touchy topic, as revealed in this training video when a salesman brings it up in a meeting. Is it a one-to-one patient names for the Walmart blocks? Um... That's something for another time. Yeah, let's not. That's we can talk about that. Those. That's actually one of the more difficult things that we do. Let's just talk about the products now. Okay, that's fine. While we're being recorded. <laughs> it sounds like fraud, but for Barry Catton, it's a business plan, and that says a lot about Barry Catton. It says that he's more interested in taking the easy way out, without oversight or any more oversight than he needs to tolerate, which makes him basically exactly the wrong kind of person to be in charge of a facility that mixes drugs that get injected into people. But his scheme to evade FDA regulation works. In 2006, after the FDA investigates complaints about the quality of NECC's medicine, it issues him a warning letter. And Cadden is ready with his defense. Barry Cadden pushes back in terms of jurisdiction, saying we fall under the Board of Pharmacy, we do not fall under the FDA. And basically saying you don't have jurisdiction over us because we have these patient-specific prescriptions. And so Cadden continues to grow his business with little scrutiny. And in 2011, there is a crisis in the country that serves him well. Healthcare professionals are raising red flags about the supply of our nation's prescription drugs. A national drug shortage, and Barry Cadden steps up production to meet a new demand. He had his staff in the clean room working overtime to make these drugs that were on shortage, and the business skyrocketed. But in the short history of NECC, there is what some consider a red flag. In 2004, NECC is sued by the widow of a man who she claims died when he received a contaminated steroid injection made by NECC. NECC settles the case with no admission of wrongdoing for $400,000. What's so important to learn from that experience was that Barry Cadden was on notice. 
that if you don't do these things correctly, people can die. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Two hours outside of Nashville is the small town of Albany, Kentucky. It's where Eddie Lovelace works his entire life as a lawyer and earns a sterling reputation. Dad would help anyone who asked. The people knew they could depend on him and they could trust him. In 2012, Eddie is a circuit court judge. I even had some of the criminals who would say to me, you know, I want your dad to be the judge in my case because I know that I'll be treated fairly. And his family thinks pretty highly of him, too. He was the best grandfather that our children could possibly have had. I just can't say enough good things about him. In the summer of 2012, at age 78, he is in good health, but goes to a clinic within St. Thomas Hospital in Nashville to get steroid injections in his spine to relieve pain and inflammation. After a shot in August, he has a headache, then numbness in his fingers. And a few days later, it is clear something is really wrong. He was sitting there in the kitchen, had a terrible look on his face. I will forget that. And he said, my legs don't work. He said, I've been uh, twice out front to get my paper. And he said, I've fallen. He is taken to Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville. The doctor there thinks he may have suffered a stroke. But it makes no sense that he is not recovering. He's going downhill fast. My brother's youngest daughter would go in and she would say, Papa, give me the thumbs up. That thumb would go up. And then Sunday, there was no response. He, he wouldn't squeeze our hand, no, no response at all. As the Loveless family gathers around Eddie, just down the hall in the same hospital is another mystery. A 55-year-old man has been diagnosed with meningitis. The funny thing about it was when we sent specimens to our laboratory, which would have revealed the bacteria, there was nothing there. Nothing grew. And then his doctor, thinking outside the box, sends the specimen to be tested for fungal disease. It comes back positive. And now the doctors know the patient has fungal meningitis, an extremely rare condition. 
We were in uncharted territory. It wasn't in the books. His doctors later learned that the patient received a steroid injection at the same clinic where Eddie Loveless received his injection. Immediately, the clinic doctors called the owner of the company that made the steroid they injected, NECC, New England Compounding Center. NECC Barry Cannon's initial response is, it's not us. They say, look, see, here's our test results. They show that the drug that you have, the methylprednisolone acetate preservative-free, it's sterile. But that sterile test result may not mean much. The reason? When it made the drug in August, NECC prepared 12 and a half liters of the steroid. It only sent out five milliliters for sterility testing. They were supposed to send out 20 samples for every lot. They were sending out one. And a tiny one at that. If you have a batch of drugs that has fungi in it and you're only taking five ml, the chances that you're going to capture a sample with the fungus in it is very limited. Sending out such a small sample is risky, especially when Cadden has been informed that his process for sterilizing drugs is failing. According to federal prosecutors, NECC pharmacists routinely shortchange the time their products are placed in the pressure chamber used to sterilize the drugs. The time should be 20 minutes. At NECC, they cut it to 15 or less. But it gets worse, because when NECC sends a drug out for sterility testing, it does not always wait for test results before shipping the drug. Sterility testing is a time test. It takes 14 days to test a drug. But NECC wanted to ship drugs. Barry Cadden wanted to ship drugs. On at least three occasions in 2012, Catton is notified that antibiotic solutions used in surgery NECC has already shipped to hospitals are not sterile. And what does Barry Cadden do? Nothing. What that means is Barry Cadden didn't have the courage, the compunction to call those doctors, to call those hospitals and say, hey, that drug I shipped you is actually not sterile. Don't use it on your patients. And just weeks after Cadden learned his drugs are testing not sterile, more patients who received NECC's steroid are falling dangerously ill. And in Albany, Kentucky, more than 2,000 people show up to pay last respects to Eddie Loveless. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In September 2012, as NECC becomes a prime suspect in a medical mystery, the business is thriving. The company is shipping drugs to hundreds of facilities across the country. And for a family-owned business, the revenues are impressive. $132 million in six years. 
orders were coming in so quickly that the staff there just couldn't keep up with them. And the orders came in on fax machines. And he said to his head of sales one night that the sound of the fax machine was like his ATM. Catton is now living in a 9,000-square-foot house in a town close to his business. In addition, he owns a waterfront house in a pretty seaside community in Rhode Island. He was doing extremely well. But while his profits look good, Catton's emails show evidence of a business at risk. In June 2012, he writes to one of his NECC pharmacists, We can't do what you are currently doing. This is a disaster waiting to happen. People can die. He writes about one of the pharmacy technicians. Ask him how he would feel if his sloppy technique killed some poor slob. In August, he describes an actual oil leak in the floor of the clean room as not a huge issue. Actually, in a room that is supposed to be sterile, oil seeping in from an underground waste site could be considered a huge issue. They would wipe it away. At one point, they started covering it with plastic and tape. And then there are the results of what is called environmental monitoring. Every week, Petri dishes are placed in the clean room with material that would show the presence of microorganisms in the room. Increasingly, it showed contamination in that room. They had bacteria growing in the room. They had mold growing in the room. They had mold and bacteria growing on the gloved fingertips of the technicians and the pharmacists after they had made a drug. 37 out of 38 weeks in 2012, Barry Cadden had alert or action levels of mold and bacteria in his clean room. And with all these warning signs of danger ahead, Cadden never orders production to stop. The bottom line is that doing things properly takes time and money. If you're seeing mold in the room, you're supposed to stop production. That costs money. You're supposed to hire an industrial cleaning company to come in and help remediate. That's time and money. In July, Cadden writes an email saying... We had another fungal bloom on June 28th. The day after that bloom, NECC manufactures the pain steroid methylprednisolone acetate and then ships it to clinics across the country to be injected into the spines of thousands of patients. One NECC customer is a clinic in Roanoke, Virginia, where Doug Wingate gets an injection to help with pain. Doug is 47 father of two. Doug was an awesome person. He worked hard. His number one priority in his life was me, his children, and his home. The day after his steroid injection, Doug has a headache. By the next week, he is in so much pain, Sharon takes him to the ER. The doctors are they are confused. They don't understand. What they're seeing does not indicate bacterial or viral meningitis, but they're not sure. Bewildered, Sharon watches her healthy husband very quickly slip away. I talked to him and I talked to him and there was no response. 
He couldn't hear me. He couldn't squeeze my hand. Twelve days after he receives the injection, Doug Wingate dies. He was gone. Just gone. Man who 18 days ago had been walking, laughing, and loving life to nothing, absolutely nothing. And what Sharon doesn't know is that 400 miles away in Atlanta, Doug's death is tied to what is becoming a national crisis. Just days after he dies, the CDC opens an investigation into the fungal meningitis cases in Tennessee. All of these patients had received steroid injections in the spinal area uh, with a compounded medication. And this was concerning to us because compounded medications can sometimes be contaminated if they're not compounded correctly. And so on September 25th, it's time for another call to Barry Catton. We asked them if there were any issues that could have been going on in the compounding pharmacy to make it a contamination event more likely. And the answer to those questions were, by and large, no. That there were no issues with sterility, there were no issues with any mold or any type of contamination events. At this point, people are dying, and no one understands the reason or how to treat them. Time was of the essence, and the last thing you wanted to do was have somebody lie or minimize or, you know, try to blame somebody else. And that's exactly what Barry Cadden was doing. Later that same day, Cadden receives word that a clinic in Indiana has found a gray-colored foreign object in NECC's steroid. He responds just before midnight on September 25th with just two words. Oh, no. What Barry Cadden realized on the night of Tuesday, September 25th, is that it's the drug. That there's something in that drug that is causing people to get sick and die. He doesn't tell anybody. But he starts calling clinics. And he starts saying that we are conducting a recall. A week after the CDC takes on the investigation of a fungal meningitis outbreak in Tennessee, investigators want to know if the illness is limited to Tennessee. So I started cold calling clinics um, and just calling them and trying to figure out if they were finding patients with the same sort of constellation of symptoms. Finally, on September 27th, a response comes in from a clinic in North Carolina. And they basically were like, yes, we have a case like this. And so that was when we knew that it was bigger than one clinic. Potentially much bigger, in fact. NECC shipped more than 17,000 vials of medication from contaminated lots to 20 states. When I started to realize how big this outbreak was going to be, I felt a tremendous amount of fear of the unknown. I felt like I was looking over the edge of a cliff and I couldn't see the bottom. I didn't see how far this was going to go. I didn't know how bad this was going to get. Days later in Massachusetts, the FDA joins the Massachusetts Board of Pharmacy in an inspection of NECC. Inside, they find dirty floor mats, a leaky boiler next to the clean room, residue on hoods. They saw a place that was not in control. They found a place that was very much out of control. 
And then an inspector picks up one of the vials of the suspected steroid, and she sees a black spot. FDA inspectors testified that when they saw that black spot in that drug, they knew that they had their answer, that this is what was causing the outbreak, the nationwide outbreak. Later, the FDA tests 50 vials of NECC steroid. All come back positive with mold or bacteria. At the CDC, scientists determine that there are 13 different contaminants in the medicine. It wasn't just the fungus that was really causing this outbreak. There were other fungi and even other bacteria. I mean, so, they, so I like to say there was gunk. I mean, there was gunk in these vials, and that gunk was being injected into patients. And now the urgent mission is to notify every single person who is at risk. That involved thousands of people around the country, literally. And in some cases, even law enforcement was employed to go knock on doors to let people know that they had potentially had been exposed. So this is really a Herculean effort and probably one of the things that ended up saving the most amount of lives in this outbreak. One of the people who is notified is Margaret Carmichael, who received her injection in Michigan. Almost immediately, the next day, I got this strange headache, like a headache I've never had before. And it was like on the top of my head. And my tailbone was the worst searing pain I have ever felt in my life. Margaret is a salesperson for a construction business, and she is on the road when she gets a call from the pain clinic. So I answered it, and she said, do you have a headache? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I'm like, uh, yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> and she said, I need you to get to an ER now. That was on October 5th. I went in on October 5th and didn't come back out until May. In October 2012, the fungal meningitis outbreak tied to the New England Compounding Center is a national news story. Health officials say a deadly meningitis outbreak may be linked to steroid injections manufactured at a Massachusetts pharmacy. The number of states affected grows daily, and the death count is rising quickly. The nationwide meningitis outbreak continues to grow. The CDC says two more people have died, bringing the death toll to 23. And in Roanoke, Virginia, the Fouts family gets one of the calls notifying potential NECC victims. October 4th, received a phone call. Remember that day pretty vividly. Um, and, uh, you know, it just shocks you. It takes your breath away. 15-year-old Zach Fouts received a steroid shot. And now his parents tell him he is at risk for a rare and dangerous disease. The first question he asked us, has anybody died? You know, we say, yeah. And... <clears throat> Sorry, I get, I get emotional because that bringing all these memories back and just it. Um, but you know, fifteen-year-old kid, he's not sixteen yet, and um, he takes it like a young man and just goes on back up to his room. The incubation period is said to be thirty-five to forty-nine days. If Zach can make it through the next month. He could be one of the lucky ones whose injection was not contaminated. Every day was 
Are you okay? Do you have a headache? Do you have a temperature? Going in and checking on him, almost as if I had an infant. Zach, a strong, healthy teenager, is a star athlete in his high school. His dream is to one day play Division I college sports. Three days after his 16th birthday, he has an amazing game. So I get out there and, you know, have three interceptions or turn one for a touchdown in my sophomore year against the defending state champs. And I remember looking at my wife in the stands and I said, I think we got this beat. We got it beat. But just a few days later, the headaches start. It felt like something in my head was, my head was going to explode. I mean, just getting worse. I mean, I'm ripping up pillows. Zach spends 17 days in the hospital in excruciating pain, unable to tolerate light or food. When you're sitting as a mom in a room with your child who is not speaking, not eating, only throwing up and screaming, it's a pretty lonely, desperate feeling for a long time. That's right, he's going to die. His friends who visit are worried, too. Seeing your friend, you know, this big, you know, big athlete just going downhill and there's, you know, it's just like a truck with no brakes just going downhill and no one can stop it. Across the country, hospitals are admitting patients with symptoms just like Zach's. In Indiana, Don Elliott, who received five contaminated injections, is in a world of pain. I was begging for death. I wanted to die. I wanted to stop. It just, the, the pain was relentless. The hardest hit state is Michigan, where Margaret Carmichael is undergoing treatment. That was kind of ground zero. They basically cleared off two floors in the hospital and were bringing people in. All, I mean, then I can't tell you how many times I heard code blue. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Do you know how scary that is? Meanwhile, at the CDC, infectious disease doctors have been urgently trying to figure out a treatment plan. We knew here we were dealing with an unknown pathogen that we really didn't know what it was capable of doing, already had caused some deaths, so we knew it could cause death, and there were no treatment recommendations for it. The treatment the CDC comes up with is intense. Some patients believe it is similar to chemotherapy. I was so sick. I lost 45 pounds. I couldn't eat. You know, I lost my, a lot of my hair, my eyebrows. And then there are the hallucinations. I was laying in bed and so out of it. I was picking at things in the air, thinking I was getting clothes off the shelf. I would vacuum crumbs off the bed. Imaginary crumbs. Meanwhile, in Albany, Kentucky, Karen Talbot hears a news story that mentions the St. Thomas Hospital Clinic. And I just stood there speechless. And then finally I said, that's where I took Daddy. And so Eddie Lovelace's family has his body exhumed and an autopsy performed. Cause of death, fungal meningitis. He is now listed as Barry Cadden's first known victim. We were re-traumatized repeatedly 
re-traumatized. You relived it over and over and over again. Uh, you were glued to the news. You saw stories about individuals who had died, individuals who were sick. And, and we had just buried Dad. When Sharon Wingate finally gets a call from the coroner explaining that a contaminated injection killed Doug, she has a powerful reaction. Furious. Absolutely dumbfounded, furious, confused. And why? By October 5th, NECC has been shut down. All of its medications are recalled. For those who come to understand what happened there, it appears the outbreak was inevitable. It was like playing a game of Russian roulette, and they just kept adding bullets into the chamber. We're not sterilizing correctly. There's a bullet. We're not testing correctly. There's a bullet. We're ignoring the fact that there's mold and bacteria growing. There's another bullet. And then they put those bullets in the revolver, they spun the chamber, and they fired. It was absolutely inevitable. As NECC's contaminated steroid continues to claim lives in the U.S., Congress holds hearings in November 2012 to address the failure of federal and state regulators to prevent the crisis. The body count is growing by the day, and hundreds, hundreds have fallen ill. Inexcusable. The first witness to testify is Joyce Loveless. The FDA, the NECC, whoever is responsible. I want them to know their lack of attention to their duties cost my husband his life. She is there to speak for Eddie. I felt like I owed it to him. There was nothing else I could do for him at that point. But I could do that. I could speak out and let people know what what an important life. It may not have been important to them, but it was to us. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Barry Cadden is also called and declines to testify. Mr. Chairman, on advice of counsel, I respectfully decline to answer on the basis of my constitutional rights and privileges, including the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution. But he can't escape the questions for long. In Boston, federal prosecutors are preparing an indictment. We didn't want the case to just be a fraud case, because what happened here was so much bigger than a fraud. Federal prosecutors determine that 793 people in 20 states are made seriously ill by the tainted medication. Of those, 100 people die. And that is why in December 2014, Cadden is charged with 97 counts of mail fraud, racketeering, and other violations. The indictment includes 25 acts of second-degree murder. It is essentially acting with a reckless indifference for human life. That is what the evidence showed to us very clearly, and we wanted the case to reflect that. Cadden pleads not guilty, but like many who lost loved ones, Karen Talbot believes the murder charge is deserved. My father was murdered. He was murdered. Sharon, Doug Wingate's widow, is called to testify at Cadden's trial in January 2017. I wanted to face Barry Cadden. I wanted Barry Cadden to see me. I wanted him to see our daughter. And I wanted him to see the pain 
that we have lived through since 2012. The trial lasts 10 weeks. Catton is found guilty on 57 fraud and racketeering counts. But the jury split on the second-degree murder charges, and he is not convicted on those allegations. Both Catton and the Department of Justice have filed appeals. And Catton's sentence? Nine years in federal prison. We're on record as asking for what we thought would be a proportional sentence for Catton, and that was 35 years. 35 years better reflects the sheer amount of human destruction that these guys caused, led by Cat. Many of his victims are outraged. Nine years. His life's altered for nine years. Mine's forever. My children is forever. And he got nine years. It's devastated. Both Barry Cadden and his attorney do not respond to requests for comment from American Greed. In the end, Cadden pays $22 million to a victim fund as part of a settlement for multiple civil claims. But his victims say the price they pay is much more than financial. Margaret Carmichael says she loses her entire career and suffers memory loss and constant pain from incurable inflammation on her spine. It starts in the morning. It takes about a good hour and a half before I can even get out of bed. I wake up in an incredible amount of pain. Incredible amount of pain. Dawn Elliott has the same story. I lost my job. I'm on pain meds the rest of my life. And I had a surgery not to fix me but only to save my life. Zach Fouts regains his health, and his dream comes true when he is recruited to play Division I football for Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. But the ordeal changes him forever. It still affects me to this day, you know, with, you know, I have bad, really bad dreams a lot, PTSD, I guess you could call it, um, you know, of me dying in different scenarios. In Albany, Kentucky, there is a courtroom named for the judge who his family says dedicated his life to helping others. And his children ask, what was Barry Cadden dedicated to? Saving patients or saving money? My father died as a result of people being focused on profit margin versus patient care. And when you cut corners, it costs lives. Sharon Wingate moves to Holden Beach, North Carolina, where she and Doug had planned to retire. Like many victims, she believes there is just one thing behind what happened to her family. Greed. He was making so much money. I can't fathom the mindset other than greed. The state of Michigan has filed second-degree murder charges against Cadden for 11 deaths. He has pleaded not guilty and is currently in a Michigan County jail. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 